to another episode of the Impel Four Podcast. Today I have with me Dennis Garrett, Mr. Love and Respect. <laughs> but we're going we to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. Now, I don't know if you've seen any of my other episodes, but what I like to do is jump right into it, right into the conversation. So I'm going to ask you this. How did you get hooked on drugs? I come from a drug-infested family. I was... Uh, Drugs was okay in my household. Uh, my dad sold drugs. My brother sold drugs. My, my brothers and I followed my dad. My sisters followed my mom. My mom and my sisters would be on the front porch talking about church. And my brothers and my dad, we'd be on the back porch talking about dope. Mm. And, uh, and I was young, so I always wanted to fit in and be a part of. So whatever my brothers was doing, I tried to do. And uh, the disease of addiction took over. So... Dealing with drugs and selling drugs, how did you get started on doing drugs? Like, I was introduced to drugs at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like, I was, uh, drugs was okay in my family. Mm-hmm. So smoking marijuana, which is the gateway to most hard drugs, mm-hmm. smoking marijuana, uh, having access to drugs made the older boys, you know, take me in. And then watching the older boys trying to be a part of or trying to be, um, accepted, I started smoking. Mm-hmm. And then um, I became uh, a product of my own environment, um, getting and using and finding ways and means to get more. Now, how old were you when you got started? Twelve. I was in the sixth grade. Sixth grade? Well, that's mighty young. Probably making more money than my teachers, so I didn't know I had a problem because hmm. I was selling uh, weed. And back then it was blotter and uh, bam, you know, um, the heroin and the cocaine didn't come on until later in life. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, tell me more about it. Like, did you did you do heroin too, or just hard drugs? No, I did all or, anything necessary, anything? man. Uh, okay. I, I I smoked crack. Um, like I'm a dope fiend bomb, man. I'm a seven time convicted felon with a manslaughter charge, mm-hmm. all behind drugs. Um, mm-hmm. Getting and using and finding ways and means to get more. Going in and out of jail, in and out of institutions, in and out of prison. Um, because of the lifestyle. With the lifestyle came uh, selling drugs, came guns. With guns came shooting. With shooting came prison. Um, you know, God's grace. Um, I went from facing double life plus eight years to being here to be able to talk to you. Mm. Yeah, that, that I didn't know. So how, what, how did you get the manslaughter charge? Um, you know, if I'm with you, if you with me and, and somebody get... A crime is committed and somebody die, mm-hmm. then um, you all get a charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was hanging out with some boys. I, uh, you know, I ain't gonna claim no set in public, but I right, was right, in a right, gang, right, right. Um, gang infested, uh, prostitute ring. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a war going on and somebody died, mm. and uh, you know, but I, but the manslaughter charge was just a way for them to get me. Really, the, the charge was uh, assault on government officials. Possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, firing a firearm in an occupied vehicle, mm-hmm. firing a firearm in uh, in the city ordinance, um, uh, possession with intent to sell and deliver, conspiracy. Oh man, I was a menace out there. I mean, thank you God, right. I, was, I was a menace out there. So being around all that, it wasn't no chance of you doing anything else positive. Yes, I just made a choice because, uh-huh. like my brothers. Um, was good in sports, mm-hmm. and I wasn't good in sports. So my dad 
and my mother would go to their basketball games and their football games. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Mm -hmm. So being the youngest, um, I felt like uh, there was a void needed to be filled. So I was looking for attention. So whether I got suspended out of, high, out of school or whether I got in a fight, then I got some attention. Whether it was my dad giving me a whipping or whether it was my mama chastising me, I got the attention that I thought I needed. Um, I was always looking for something outside myself. Not, like I didn't, I didn't learn that until later on, after working a twelve-step program. Though. Oh, okay. So, what, what? How old? How long did it take you to get over your drug addiction and out of it? What made you make the decision that look, this I'm, I'm not doing this no more? You know, I was in central prison. <clears throat> uh, I'm talking about prison where a man loses his whole life behind a soap opera. Um, you might see a man get his whole head cut off. Um, and I was still doing the same type of behavior, um, selling dope, because like money make the world go round. So if you can get something inside the prison, so in a way to make it, um, I was at Central Prison in segregation, and the officers would bring me product. Um, Christmas time came, I had, uh, I got a, a daughter. My daughter was eight years old at that time. Um, and I was in the, in the hole and I was getting high and the officer came, and I was like, man, you can't catch me. He's, man, I ain't finna church you. I'm finna go and watch my children open their Christmas present. That was like a rib shot, like a reality. Like, you know, I'm thinking that I'm in prison. I got it going on. This man say to me, man, I'm finna go watch my children open their Christmas present. So that smashed me. So it made, it changed my way of thinking. So then I started going to um, H&I, which is hospitals and institutions, where a panel come from outside. Mm -hmm and come inside, and they get to talk to us. And and somebody came in that was telling me my story. He was telling me about how his life was and what he did to change and make life better. Mm -hmm. um, so they shipped me to the mountains, because uh, I was I was in prison prison, mm -hmm. not in them green clothes camps. Right. And, and then I was steady um, being a menace. Um, they had took cigarettes off the yard. They had took black and miles off the yard. So I was hustling still bringing in product. So I had a chance encounter, and I, I got involved in a program called Think Smart. Well, now today they call it Scared Straight, but Scared it's the straight, same yeah. thing. I remember that. Um, so being in Think Smart, man, I was going through something with my baby mama, having a bad day, um, and we was being observed by some people that we didn't know we was being observed because this was the pilot program of Think Smart. So some little young boys came in, and one of them reminded me of me. Um, and it, it just, I was attracted to him. And uh, I started telling him about my life, what I can do and what he can do better. So the senator was listening. So she made it possible for me to leave a brown clothes camp every day and go to college. I went to, uh, uh, I was living in Marion up in the prison, but I was going to McDowell clothes, I was in Marion clothes custody, but I was going to McDowell community technical school, mm -hmm. which is like Durham Tech here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took up substance abuse, right? And because I had already graduated from Owner Corner University, but I was still <laughs> being a knucklehead. Right. Um, uh, I was going to, I was in prison, I was leaving the camp, but I was still, you know, messing with the girls, sneaking dope in, you know, going up under the steps, you know, doing that dumb stuff, man. Uh, not understanding that this lady was giving me an opportunity. How old were you at this moment? Um, See, I got 23 years clean, maybe 37, 38. Okay. You know, probably 36, 37, something like that. Mm -hmm. But I've been in the drug game since I was 12. Right. So that's all I knew, or that's all I thought I knew. Um, 
but I was smart in school, right? I made good grades, but uh, making good grades made you a nerd. So I would do stuff to get in trouble. So I, I from from the twelve year old sixth grade kid getting suspended, getting kicked out of school, to going to jail, going to the army, getting kicked out of the army. I got kicked out of the army for misconduct and drug abuse. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about the army. So when did you go to the army? How old I were joined you? the army in nineteen eighty five. I mean eighty three. I got out, got kicked out in eighty five. Mm -hmm. I went in in eighty three, chasing my baby mama. Mm -hmm. um, went airborne, and. Um, Learn how to defend myself with my hands. I'm good with my hands, not to be, but, and all that did was taught me another way to survive in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, so I got kicked out of the army because I came up dirty on a drug test, and then I came up dirty again on a drug test. So how old were you when you got kicked? Did you start selling drugs and doing drugs at 12? Correct. What What was your, you remember the time frame of when you went to the army? 18? Yeah, I was, I was 21. 21? Yeah, my daughter, I was 20, about to turn 21. Mm -hmm. My daughter was born when I was 20. My birthday was in April. I joined the Army in May. And then in 85, I got kicked out in October. So you did have a chance to get out the drug life when you went to the Army. Correct. But when I went in the Army, I was, um, I ended up going from, from Georgia. I was in airborne school. And they 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 sent they 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 sent me to Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. So Fayetteville mm -hmm. and Durham My hometown. is about you know a good forty five minute ride, yeah. right? About an so, hour thirty. Okay, well, not 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 in them days. <laughs> okay. But anyway, okay. um, being in the army and living from Chopper Hill, really, I'm from Chopper Hill. Um, everybody that was getting high back then, it was called freebasing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't crack. It was freebasing. Mm -hmm. So the first sergeant, the command sergeant major, second lieutenants, staff sergeant, everybody was buying dope for me. Hmm. So on the first, I could come home. I didn't got to go to formation. I would come get the product. So, you know, it's 36 ounces in the key. You get 532 grams. I can come home before I'm getting back to Fayetteville. It's already sold. So now my mindset is, is damaged, really, because the command sergeant major buying dope from me. So hmm. instead of me taking advantage of the opportunity, the opportunity took advantage of me because I still got that drug thug street mentality. Mm -hmm. I'm telling them, man, you better get me my money, you know what I mean? Putting pistols on it, you know, like, right. stupid, stupid, stupid. So they kicked me out, man, they had to get rid of me. Mm. You know, so um, once I got kicked out of the Army, um, I didn't have a hope shot. So I came back to the top of the hill. You know, my brother owned a detail shop. You know, I had a, my brother's was popular. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I started working for my brother at his store, and that was a party store. You know, like we deliver kegs of beer. You know, so with the kegs of beer, of course, if you having a party, I bring you a keg of beer, I'm going to ask you, do you need any weed? I'm going to ask you, do you need any cocaine? I'm going right. to you, need some powder? Right. So that lifestyle changed to me becoming a monkey selling bananas. I, you know, I was um, using my product. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was so plentiful, I really didn't understand the problem that I had because I had easy access. Mm -hmm. Now, when my older brother went to the penitentiary is when I realized how bad of a problem I had. Mm. So back around, come back around to you say you was with the, did the Scared Straight program and you now the senator letting you out talk to, uh, was you talking to kids or right. adults? Uh, no, I was going to I was going to college. Oh, I was to college. taking up uh, um, 
I was an honorary peer counselor. Oh, okay. The only way you can be a peer counselor, you had to have a life sentence, mm-hmm. right? So um, I had two life sentences hanging over my head, mm. right? Um, I'm doing state time, but I'm waiting on the feds to come and get me because I got um, intent to sell and deliver and conspiracy and then possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. So the feds took that in, right? And, like, the speed up, real, like, because I want to talk about God's grace. I want to oh, get yeah, to Oh, yeah, we're coming here. around all that. I want to get uh, – <laughs> Yeah. Uh, while in, in the penitentiary, in the state penitentiary, um, having that chance encounter with the senator, she said to me, I'm trying to give you a chance to save your life. Like, the, really what she said is, nigga, I'm trying to save your damn life. She's a little short white woman. Right. And her, her baseball cap would hit the bridge of my nose. Like, mm. she'd be looking up at me, and, I, you know, I couldn't even see her eyes because I was looking down on that baseball cap. Right. But she said, I'm trying to save your life. She said, you can take your defects and turn into assets, and you'll be able to save a lot of lives. Well, I didn't understand what she was saying. All I know is that I was trying to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. All I know is I was trying to get out of that cell block. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, going back and forth to school, bringing dope back inside the prison, she said, lock his ass up. So they sent me up to maximum security on the third floor where you in a chain-link fence. Like, you do dogs, so you know them chain kennel fences? Mm-hmm. Like, I was literally in one of those kind of fences. Right. Right? It was 13 of us in a side-by-side fence. So everything you do, the guy beside you, down the hall, every, every, they can see anything you do, mm-hmm. from taking a crap to to whatever you do. Right? So you get to come outside the gate for one hour a day, and then you got handcuffs around your waist, hooked to your wrist, hooked to your legs and your feet, and they take one arm out, you know, either either arm, whatever arm you take out. So with that arm loose, you got to eat, you got to shave, you got to shower, but everything else, you you know, so that animalistic level of living is when I realized, like, I don't want to live like this. Right. So the seeds that was being planted through H&I, through going to college, through the streets, the seeds was being planted. Now I had an opportunity to water them, right? So... What happened is I started going back to school, and I started making A's and B's, and I started doing what them people asked me to do. And then um, I, I finished my state time. But I had already got a degree. Like, I'm an SAB, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I teach recovery dynamics. Mm-hmm. But I had already got my substance abuse degree, and the time ran out for the state. Mm-hmm. So now I'm waiting on the feds to come and get me. But so the state can't let me go out to prison because now I'm – I'm custody of the feds. Right. So the state is just holding me for the feds. Now, this is where God come into my life. I mean, I've already had a God, right. but this is where I know it's real. So um, my co-defendant on trial, the key witness for the state have a massive heart, have a massive heart attack. I walk right out of the gate mm. with two licenses hanging over my head. Mm. Now, hear me now. I'm talking about the key witness for the state have a massive heart attack. So all the evidence that they got on me is only through word of mouth. And conspiracy consists of just somebody saying. Right. Right? And that's all it takes, really. Mm-hmm. That's the start. But now they got to prove it. So when the key witness have a heart attack, two life sentences hanging on my head, I walk out the gate about three weeks later. I walk right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that? See, uh, 1999. The day, the, December the, the 8th, 1999. The year and I now, came home. <laughs> and that's what I wear on my neck. That's right. what that is, uh, mm-hmm. 1208.99. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the last day I was in the penitentiary. Right. 
right, so so when I came out to penitentiary, I went to a place called uh, Caring Services in High Point, North Carolina. I couldn't come back to Chopper Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of them kind of guys to where in order for me to come visit my mama, in order for me to come to my hometown, I had to write a letter to the district attorney and get permission to come to Orange County. And then I had to give them documentation of where I'm going to be. See, they ain't got, they ain't had them anchor monitors like they got now. Okay. So back then, I had to have, um, they had to know my whereabouts. Right. Because I was a knucklehead, man. I was a menace. I Really, I was a coward hiding behind a gun. I thought I was a gangster, but right. I, I was a coward, man. So you saying that gun makes you tough? I thought <laughs> it, it made me tough enough to go behind the wall, <laughs> right? You yeah. know, uh, but, but with God's grace, man, I ain't mm-hmm. never been shot. I've been in shootouts. I've been right. in, you know, all of that. You know, not to glamorize, because right. I don't want no mistake to be heard. I want you to understand that at the end is jails, institutions, and death. Mm-hmm. At the end of the road, that's what it is, man. That's what the drug game offer me is jail institutions, or death. Yeah, because it's like they say, you know, it's either jail or death. I mean, when you're living in the life of crime, that's the only way you're going. That's it. <laughs> that's way. it. And I ain't seen nobody in the crime game win. Right. You know, they got John Gotti, so who am I? I'm just a nobody. Right, right. So what, what, how did you – I see you talk your kids a lot on social media. And when did you – when did they know about your past, and how did you start telling them – did you start giving to them bits and pieces, or how did that come about? They um, they attend meetings with me. Okay. Like, I do motivational speaking, mm-hmm. um, and I go to Narcotics Anonymous. I belong, I'm a member of a 12-step program. Mm-hmm. So uh, my son, who is 19 now, has been with me all his life. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who is 14 now, has been with me all her life. And me being a single father, I've been a single father for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not just about me no more. And it, it stopped being about me when I first got out of prison. Mm-hmm. But once I got legal and physical custody of my son and then now my daughter, um, the way they learn about me is by being with me, mm-hmm. right? And then I don't lie to them, right? right. right? Um, if they ask me a question, I tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. Like my children fuss almost, like when we, when, like I go, like today, the reason I wanted to come in early I got an intervention today. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting with blood, grips, foe, mm-hmm. and 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 there was a shooting that went on in the um, in Welland Village. Like mm-hmm. five yeah, little kids that. got yeah. got right. shot. Mm-hmm. So we trying to do an intervention so it don't be a retaliation. Mm-hmm. So my children um, won't be at that event, but they know the people in that that's gonna be there. Right. Right. I know. Like like I'm a real OG. Like and I don't say that with. Like, you got good stains and you got bad stains. My bad stains gave me my, my rank. Mm-hmm. My good stains keep my status. Right. Right. So I can go on any set and talk to anybody, and we respect each other because they going to call me unk. Mm-hmm. They going to call me OG. Right. And if the little homie don't know who I am, somebody going to tell them mm-hmm. who I am. So what I'm getting at is my children, they don't know if I'm a blood or a crip. Right. They, they, they argue about that. Mm-hmm. They... He always wearing blue. What? Well, the day I got on red, right? right? Um, well, you know, New York D is a blood. He always be with New York D. Well, so Tay is a crip. Why he would, you know? So they always, you know, trying to figure out what set mm-hmm. I claim. But what I say that, 
and to tell everybody listening what what set I was a part of or am affiliated with, it don't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters is that I want to show you a new way to live. Mm -hmm. I want to change your way of thinking so you can change your way of acting. Mm -hmm. And if you think that I'm a, a set and set, then that's the set you think that I should be mm -hmm. targeted. No, I want to target the youth. Right. I want to target the balance. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to stop the violence. I don't I don't you know. And then gang activity ain't intended to be criminal activity. Mm -hmm. It was really orchestrated to help build your community. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So now the gangs is tearing down the community. Mm -hmm. So my job is to teach a new way to live. Right. I actually about your kids because. It took me a little while to tell my kids bits and pieces of my stories, and I give it to them a little bit here and there. But I, like you said, I don't lie to them. You right. know, and lying ain't gonna go help at all. You know, right? And and saying that um, they deserve to know their DNA. Right. They need to know where they come from. Mm -hmm. And 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 your children got a good father. And I ain't saying that because I'm talking to you. I'm proud of you. I, I watch you. Appreciate I watch it. you. And, I, and I'm going to continue watching you because you married my niece. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. But you are, um, you are inspiration to this community. Mm -hmm. So if you continue to do what you do and I continue to do what I do and we build together, right. it'll help not only each other but those around us. Mm -hmm. Right. So. so tell me, how did you get started? Love and respect. How did that come about? Love and respect. <laughs> love and respect. Well, I had to learn to love myself so I can respect others. Right. Um, for y'all who don't know, Love and Respect is a therapeutic living community. It's a transitional housing for men who practice unhealthy living situations. I primarily deal with substance abuse. But what we do is intervention and prevention. Um, and the way it came about is because I had no love for myself. Like I was telling you earlier, I always wanted to try to fit in. Mm -hmm. So... And going into jails and going, I've been kicked out of everywhere, man. I've been kicked out of school. I've been kicked out of anything but prison. Right. You know, so going into the different institutions, I would go in because I'm trying to be the drug charge. You know, um, I would go in because I don't rip the dope man off. You know, but I kept getting kicked out of those places. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was getting kicked out of those places is because there was an underlying uh, mental issue with me. Mm -hmm. Like I got antisocial behavior. And most of us, got antisocial behavior. All that means is we don't like authority. Right. See, I grew up automatically assuming that the police was the bad guy. So if the police come in my neighborhood, somebody say, man down, mm -hmm. we immediately think he the bad guy when really he there to protect and to serve. Really he there to protect the community from people like me. Mm -hmm. See, I used to think the police was harassing me, but I forgot I was the one shooting up the neighborhood. Right. So the way Love and Respect came into place is um, out of the different institutions that I was going to, I started putting together something in my mind that I wanted to do to help others. Mm -hmm. So my last run in prison gave me, uh, God's grace, gave me an opportunity to meet that senator, to be a, um, a peer counselor. So I had a chance to learn to read. So I went from graduating to Corner University to going to college. So now I'm learning about my behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, the disease of addiction is a, a negative outlook that's rooted, rooted mm -hmm. in fear, mm -hmm. low self-esteem and insecurity. So I wanted to put something together for people like me um, that was the bottom of the barrel, mm -hmm. what society had given up on. Because I remember the judge saying, if you ever come in front of me again and I, if I catch you with a bullet, 
you ain't gonna never see grass green again. Mm. Right. That same judge, I don't sit, I don't stand in front of her now, I sit beside her. Right? They a lot of those are my colleagues. Mm-hmm. So love and respect is giving me an opportunity to be a voice for my community, for the sick and suffering addict. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and like I'm that guy that slept in the woods and ate out of trash cans. And my mama said, I love you, but you can't stay here. To now my mama said, Babe, you help me pay my taxes. Mm. You know, uh, I'm that guy that would 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 buy it up, cut it up, bag it up, just untie that shit and smoke it up. Mm. So love and respect is uh really love and respect, Recovery House Inc. is the name of that organization. But love and respect is a simple greeting. Mm-hmm. It's that you have to learn to love yourself so you can respect others. And for y'all who came from where I came from, we didn't have no respect for nobody, especially people of authority. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about your mother. How how did, you know, when you went away, was going through all of that stuff, How did you ever think about her, the pain you put her through? Or no, anything like that? man. No? And, and, I, and I tell my clients, man, you know, like I ask them, have you ever stole from your mother? Like I stole my mama dreams. You know, um, I'm my mama's youngest child, and uh, and today I'm so grateful because my mother has seen me clean for 23 years to now, like, she'll call me and say, babe, you ain't been to see me, or you need to come see me. I ain't putting my eyes on you. All that, Every one of my siblings, um, like, I'm the youngest, but I'm the big brother mm-hmm. to a few of my siblings. Um, I'm not saying that I take care of them because they took care of me. Mm-hmm. So through the storm, I didn't know that my mama wasn't sleeping at night when she heard the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Through my storm, I was being selfish and self-centered. I would always say, well, this is my life, you know. But I was offending and hurting a lot of people that love me. So um, Look, I know people who watch my episodes will get tired of me saying this, but it's a common theme. Y'all see it's a common theme. You're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting your family. <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. So in, in, in piggybacking on what Leon said, um, if you don't think that you are hurting those around you, like take a look at if you die today without a shadow of a doubt, there's five people that you can name without even thinking about it that it will affect their lives tremendously. So the life you live in, even if you're out there doing some stuff and you get away, those around you might catch the reaps, the benefits or the repercussions of your behavior. You and your children might be walking in the store, and all you want to do is be a father and take your children shopping. But that boy down the corner who you done something to, he ain't thinking about your child. He's trying to get you. Mm-hmm. So be careful, man. Yeah. Be careful. Gangsters are doing a lot of time in prison or they did. Mm-hmm. Anybody can pull the trigger. But a real man can say, hold up, man, let's talk about this. Right, right. So what's next for you? Anything lined up? or? Uh, right now, you know, um, I'm really at the point where I'm ready to retire. I'm 60. I know I look good. I look good. Um, been traveling, you know, uh, still spreading the message of hope wherever I go. The message is hope, helping other people every day. Um, my son is is in culinary art school. He's in cooking school. So, And then my daughter is trying to get in this medical high school. So by the time DJ goes to grad school, Faye will be in college. Mm-hmm. And that'll give me an opportunity. Now, I won't ever shut love and respect down. Love and respect can run itself. But I'm ready to pass the torch. In fact, I'm talking to uh, some retired judges, and, uh, like, I'm ready to revamp my board of directors. So um, this program can run without Dennis Garrett. Right. 
you know. Um, but Dennis Garrett always had a love for love and respect. Um, so my next venue is to just try to enjoy this life God has blessed me with because uh, I mean, only his grace, mm-hmm. only his mercy is why I'm alive, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the life that I live was also wrong, man. You know, hurting my family and, and causing them pain. I ain't think I had a problem, man. All right. I thought I did was sold cocaine. Right. But um, my, my my future is in God's hands. I, I don't have a clue. But right now, like I'm in front of the governor to get a clemency. I'm trying to get a clemency to have my criminal record uh, wiped clean. They can't have it expunged. And then I got some real charges. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that can help me is to have the governor so I got some senators and the congresswoman um, that's, that's trying to help me. And the reason why I want that is so because I can't go in the federal joint. I can do a lot. Like I go in the state penitentiary. Mm-hmm. I go to Hillsborough. I go to Wake County. And I bring guys out on a six-hour pass, mm-hmm. right, to help them find jobs, um, to motivate them, let them be with the family, let them see the new way to live by a, fe- a felon, mm-hmm. right? But the feds won't let me in, right. no matter no matter. What I try and do or how I try to do, the paperwork say that I'm still that guy. Right, right. Back there in, you know, 1985. Right. So. So you don't look like what you've been through. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you don't look like what you've been through. That's a lot. Um, there you have it. Oh, how can people find you? Uh, on Facebook, Instagram? You got Instagram? I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I um. I'm www.loverespect, L-U-V-R-E-S-P-E-C-T dot org. That's my web page. Um, I run a program in Durham called Love and Respect. My daughter said, Google my dad. Google me. <laughs> Google me. If you got an adolescent or a troubled youth, parents, listen. That's not their room when they say, get out of my room and you paying the bills. That's not their book bag they say you can't go through. You got you to gotta involve yourself into their life. You got to be the parent. You can't be their friend. If your child is doing something that you think they need to take a look at, call me, 919-672-0934. I got an open-door policy, man. I love my youth, 919-672-0934. And I also believe in anonymity. That's doing something for somebody without telling everybody. So if it's something that I can do for you that's between me, you, and God, call me. That's it, and I plan on working with you. And getting more involved. I appreciate that. <laughs> I need you. All right. All right. Thank you, man, for having yeah, me. No problem. Tune in to the next time to the MPL Fort Podcast. If you like what you saw, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the MPL Fort Podcast.